0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Today on the Ilana Enquirer podcast... Joey Wagner and I, Jeremy Warner, Line publisher, chat a lot of Illinois football with no Illinois basketball game midweek. We've kind of had a chance to think about, write about uh, Illinois football a little bit more. And we want to sink our teeth into this on the podcast as well. Today we do our Class of 2023 review. We look at what Illinois did well in recruiting the Class of 2023, some lingering concerns, and maybe some off-season questions as well. Uh, But we also uh, chat a little bit about what we've been writing about here recently. Joey Wagner talks about his great feature, uh, Matthew Meyer, his conversation with Illinois Offensive Line Coach Bart Miller. I chat about my conversation with Illinois Offensive Coordinator Barry Lunny as well. Uh, And then we dive in a little bit to what we think of the new uh, assistant coach coaches, how they fit into Illinois, and where Illinois could go for their last remaining assistant spot, the tight ends coach slash special teams. So a lot of Illini football talk, almost an hour of it. So hope you enjoy it. Joy Wagner coming up next. Talk some Illini football.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from Progressive. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only
0: available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Time to catch up with our guy, Joey Wagner. Let's not go to football, Joey, shall we? Um, It's been a while since we've gotten on here and chopped it up over everything that's going on with basketball, taking a little break this week with the Minnesota game, getting postponed. Figure it's a good time to do that. But before we do that phenomenal story by Mr. Wagner on Matthew Meyer, because you had a simple question and you went and found it out. So what did you find out? Who is Matthew Meyer?
1: He's an interesting guy. I mean, I don't think that's new information to anyone here. Right. Um, just the way he, he carries himself his personality, but, I think when you see him, you know, I always thought, so at Baylor, he was like the sixth guy, right? Like there's not a lot of cameras on the sixth guy. So you don't, I don't he's been in the spotlight, right? He was a really good high school player and, and he's had interviews. It's not like this guy's first time in front of a camera, but I don't feel like you really knew much about him other than, Hey, that's the guy with the mullet. Is that right? Mm-hmm. But he's, and so, so you put cameras in front of him here and it's, uh you know, Hey, you had a big game of the garden. Yeah, it was cool. You know, it's just very like there's a lot of like laid backness about him, but when you watch him, especially over the course of the last month, there's a lot more to that, and I, I there has to be. You don't get here by not being a competitive person, uh, so there had to be that side. So I wanted to figure out like where is that? How how prominent is that? It is very prominent. Um, but but he also is this kind of laid back. The best thing he said was well. Can I add this, Joey? Yeah, 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 yeah. In all of that, he's a little odd.
0: The, the things <laughs> he said, like he's odd. Like he's or he's different, um, which isn't a bad thing. I love that. I love people who are um, different because it makes the world turn right. So th- that was part of it. It wasn't just because oh he's he's never been. In the, it's sure, because yeah. he does wear him he did wear a mullet, right? Like that draws attention. He said interesting things. Like when we had the big game of the garden, he talked about how he fasted uh, against maybe some people's wishes. Um, he called out. Brad Underwood and said, "Hey, we got problems on this team," uh, and then a month later, he's the best player on this team for a month. So
1: yeah, it all added to who is this guy? Like <laughs> yeah. he, uh, the funny one of the funnier ones was I've mean, everybody heard the headband story in Wisconsin. He found it in the oven locker room and, and decided to wear it, but he came out in shorts and, and our friend Colin Likis at the News Gazette said, "Oh, shorts in January, Matt." And I like to I like the cold. I, I like to walk outside in little. Little clothing. So I pictured like 3 p.m. on Green Street. Here's Matthew Meyer dressed like the Big Lebowski uh, walking down the street. But he is, you're right. He, he's a really interesting guy. And you wanted to get the essence of, a little bit of that, but also not letting him, I would say not letting him, but wanted to be careful to not paint him as somebody who's just this aloof, weird dude who also makes three pointers because there's another side of him too. And thought it was a really fun story. It was fun to get to know him. A little bit, and to your point about Alabama A and M, I said, you know, it seems like you regret that. He said, I don't regret it. He said it was a learning experience. And to be clear, like over time, he said I shouldn't have aired that out to the media. I shouldn't have said that to the media, and that's fine. But for us, the honesty's good, right? And Brad Underwood didn't seem particularly angry by it. um I think his message to Matt, he told me as much, was, "Hey, that's a lot harder to get through at the next level when." when you're playing for a paycheck and what's unstated in that my my read of that is the next level matt's not going to be a top seven guy immediately right you don't want to walk in and be the guy at the end of the bench you You, know kind of airing that out
0: you can do that when you're lebron you can do that when you're kd you can do it when you're Kyrie to a point right like you can't do it when you're fighting for a job
1: that's right yeah he was he's a fascinating guy man and and i got to talk with this high school coach and Thought a really fun story. I know Jeremy, you and Derek were in the front seat yeah. of the car on the way to Iowa when I was doing this interview. This freshman year, someone took his, a senior took his jersey because he's like, yeah, this guy's going to the NBA, I want it. Like, that's, the kid has always had, like the kid, he's 23 years old, but he's always had that. And I think that's the the thing to not get lost. Like, this dude is a really, really good basketball pr- player. And Brad Underwood said, he's like, you don't get invited to the combine if you're just okay. Twice. You don't get all these options if you're just okay. He's a really, really good player, but he doesn't get – I think – and I wish I would have followed up more. His identity doesn't feel super tied to basketball. Um, It matters a lot to him. It means a lot. It's given him a lot. It's what he wants to do professionally. But he doesn't ride the emotional roller coaster of every game. I thought that was an interesting uh, approach by him.
0: What I took away is he's got a very mature, experienced – um, kind of healthy take on life and, and what it what it means to be a college basketball player and maybe what it doesn't mean. And I think that's got to be very uh, helpful in, in a very young locker room, even for a guy like Terrence Shannon, who's had pressure before, but maybe not to the to the scrutiny of this level that he's got right now. Uh, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing to have in your locker room. And I, I think he's challenged Brad Underwood a little bit as a coach, and I don't think that's a bad thing because Brad has his guy. I think it's easy for Brad to coach Ty Rogers and sincere Harris and, and Jade Nepps, Matt. I don't want to say he's like a challenge in a problem way, but he's just different and you have to coach guys in different ways. And I think he's let Matt be Matt to, to, to Underwood's credit, whether it's personality wise or as a player, he lets Matt make some decisions that other coaches might not let him. And uh, I think it's been a really interesting marriage. And I think you've hit on that really, really well is, is how they've developed a lot of respect uh, for each other and I think I think Matt's going to be so important um, to, to what they do in March uh, I, I think Matt is something they didn't have on last year's team um, just the, the ability to go nuclear uh, offensively when, when they're struggling by himself in isolation you don't want it to happen all the time but he can do it uh, Terrence has those moments hasn't had him in a while but those two guys are, are going to be huge for, for what they do in March I think Matthew is as much as anybody
1: yeah and to, to your point about the relationship i i think obviously matt challenges brad and brad's done a good job of adapting but brad and matt mentioned this brad pulls that out that competitiveness out of matt you know more and more this isn't just brad you know matt challenging him i mean brad gets that out of him i did think matt had a really to your point and i asked him about being that kind of voice that i don't want to say sage because he's not like he's 100 years old Uh, to be that voice in the locker room he basically, in the very matt meyer way said hey hey, these guys i'll be there what they need but i don't try to invade you know all of that but he did give a really good quote and he said over time you realize that life goes on and people don't care about you in any way in a freeing way in a good way and i thought man yeah like if we could all live a little bit more like that because we do especially with social media right like social media drives so much emotion in any direction if we just kind of realize that people don't really care about know, like, And that's not in a way that like, no, does not sitting, sitting in his apartment. Like, no one cares. about. You really aren't on people's mind as much as you think you are. is, is kind of how I took that. And that's, that's a really liberating statement.
0: Yeah. Um, and that comes with experience of doing that, right? Like 10 years ago, I responded to nobody's on Twitter a lot more than I do now. Um, I just realized it didn't help me, didn't help me, uh, didn't change their mind, and they might have been just been trolling me. So, uh, the fact that Matt understands that now at 23, I think, is a very, very valuable thing because some of us don't really ever learn it. Um, so it was a really well done story, Joe. Really well done on that. Uh, you and I also went to the Smith Center last week, uh, right before. Brett Bielema's signing day presser Uh, and we each went our separate ways went into different offenses right next to each other Uh, and you caught up with Bart Miller, the Illini offensive line coach who has to be as happy as anybody uh, about this offseason getting Isaiah Adams back, getting Julian Pearl back, Jordan Slaughter returns to give them another really good option on the offensive line. Uh, What were your biggest takeaways from your conversation with Bart?
1: Uh, the, The first one is depth. Like Depth is emerging. You're seeing that. Now, I'm not sitting here saying there's 12 guys who they're going to be able to rotate in and out of the offensive line, but the fall off is maybe becoming less from, from starters to backups and down the line. And continuity. I think that the biggest takeaway for me was continuity is going to matter to him. Um, now, does that mean the left side stays the same of, of Julian Pearl at tackle, Isaiah Adams at guard? I don't know because Isaiah Adams could also play right tackle. He could also potentially – Play center. That, that's another takeaway, obviously, is to search for a center. Uh, but continuity is important. And I think they really liked – I know they really liked that left side. What isn't there to like about those two lining up next to each other? I, I, I do wonder, you know, how the right side shakes out. is kind of a, a little bit, Jeremy, the way I was thought about, I guess. Uh, a couple of positions in the defensive backfield last season. Like, if so-and-so can play here, that, that changes yeah. that. You know, if Illinois can find a right guard a, or a right tackle and a center, I uh, will. You probably have your left side solidified. Uh, if you can't find a right tackle, maybe Isaiah Adams, Zach Chrysler would be an option. And then center is going to be. So I mean, you know, I, I think they're going to cycle through quite a few guys after the uh, the Avery Jones, I don't debacle, I, I guess yeah. myths, whatever you want to call it.
0: Yeah, my biggest takeaway from that is he, he's happy uh, that that Isaiah and Julian have could have been NFL draft picks potentially. Like Isaiah Adams would have been. Julian Pearl potentially could have been. Uh, he's very happy about that, and I think it's absolutely huge to get those guys back. Uh, the other part is the most frequent question I think of my recent mailbag was who plays center, what's the offensive line look like? And I think Bart Miller has the same exact questions, right? Is everybody. I think he knows who his top three are. Adams, Pearl, Chrysler, and he knows those guys have positional flexibility. Like Pearl's gonna be your left tackle, but Adams could potentially play through other positions. Chrysler could play tackle or guard, but you love to keep him at guard. Um and then they'll figure it out. Jordan Slaughter, I would imagine, has a huge chance to to win the guard spot, but I still think he's got to prove some things. Uh Josh Gesky, great opportunity. Hunter Whitenack, great opportunity. Josh Cruz, I think he wasn't probably very happy about adding Avery Jones. Well, now you get your chance to prove yourself a center. And I do think they're going to dip back into the transfer portal once it comes to spring. So I think it's going to be great competition during the spring, and it's going to be great evaluation for the staff and Bart Miller and, and you know Barry Lunny and Brett Bielma to figure out what they have up front and if they need to go back into the portal. I think they will regardless, but I think this is a great competition at the very least for a position that's certainly getting better, uh, but the depth still is a little untested and a little young. Uh, besides those four big returning guys out of your top six, so um, yeah, I think Bart Miller's as intrigued as anybody, more so, uh, to to see how this all plays out.
1: You know, he we were talking about a lot of these positions. He made it a point, you know, he, inside baseball, You put the recorder on the desk between you and and the person you're talking with. and he, he leaned into it. He said, "I don't want readers and I don't want fans to think we're not going to be okay. We're going to be okay." Yeah, I mean because you see that that depth happening, and look, hey. If Josh Kruitz wins this job in spring ball or gives himself, I don't know how many jobs you win in spring ball, but if he gives himself that, like Alex Pilstrom did a year ago, bully for him, bully for Illinois. Uh, You've got yourself in that position, and and maybe you don't have to prioritize a center in the transfer portal. But he's going to compete with likely Isaiah Adams. Maybe they'll try Jordan Slaughter, Joey Okla, Clayton Leonard, TJ McMillan. Uh, tj mcmillan obviously you think that's probably a bigger stretch but, yeah. but they like a lot of his intangibles and and what he brings but he's a true freshman right that, that's that's a tough tough ask uh, but if, hey, if he beats out all those guys and gives himself separation between them that's great news for illinois that's really good news and it's good news for josh croods who i think you know, probably felt like he he wanted to be out there last year and maybe that he could have been out there obviously we, we've talked about you know, the limitations of the, he's not the tallest guy. He's not the longest guy. All of those things. He's not the and biggest. The, the,
0: the, he's torn. He's torn 80 pounds. That's right. right? Like, that's so it's right. going to be important for him to add even more strength. I mean, he's a strong kid. He, he's got the demeanor. He's got the, I guess the football intelligence. He's got the physicality. But there is, yeah, he's I mean, Doug Kramer had to overcome that, but he got up to three hundred pounds. Josh Kruots isn't quite there, but he's still a, you know, going into his redshirt sophomore year. And I think that's what's big here is you're now getting guys in their third year being on your two deep instead of relying on a first or second year guy on your two deep. Kruits, Barlev, Gesky, all in their third years. Now, this is when you want them to start, you know, being being able to rely on those guys to go into a game. And to help you and not hurt you, Hunter Whitenack in his second years after playing uh, special teams is a true freshman, uh, those are the guys you want to be able to count on that, hey, we can play these guys if we need to. And it sounds like Bart is confident they can.
1: is. Yeah, I'm looking for the um, – he gave me a really good quote about some of those guys. Let me find it here. Sorry, I should have this pulled up. Oh, he said – that was my message to them after the bowl game and before we got into winter workouts was freshman year is over, redshirt year is over. Our expectation is not for you to sit and learn anymore. You're always learning, but it's time to to do what you do and do what you came here for. If you need to gain weight, you gain weight. If you need to trim, you trim. If you need to add strength, then we start seeing those things come to fruition. And we are. I'm not taking anything away from them. So there is. It's not like a sense of urgency of, oh, my God, who's going to be on – you know, who's going to be the starting five but the, the urgency picks up which is a natural progression for college athletes right you as you get further along i know luke altmeyer talked a lot about that it does become a more of an urgent thing to, to put yourself in a position to be ready
0: yeah i would say you feel better about your are too deep in its entirety right now because of the maturity because of the physicality you have now in that group but you still got to figure out who the best fourth guy is who the best fifth guy is uh, and see how that goes along. Uh, I was able to meet with Barry Loney Jr., who had one heck of a December. Joey thought he was getting Tommy DeVito back for a year, and they said, "Wait, we got to have a contingency plan in case this all falls apart." Because from what I was told, they got one waiver from one entity, and they were like, "Oh, this is really good because that was going to be the harder one to get," and then the second one fell through. Uh, so they were—they've said this like they were ninety percent sure. He was going to get a waiver, and then he didn't, of course, Uh, which would have been a huge bonus to get a guy back for a second year who just set the completion record and all that. But that was their plan, top plan. Like If if they could get DeVito back, they wanted to get him back. So that doesn't happen, but they started reaching out to some of the guys who at the portal. Luke Altmaier became one of their top two options, along with Hudson Card. They get him on campus. I wrote a story all about that. I think Card was their top option. I don't think they would say that or probably like me saying that, but – Hudson was a little bit more proven, right? And after Card commits to Purdue, Altmaier becomes the top option, and they get him. But then they also go and get John Paddock, uh, who I think was a huge addition is as, as a walk-on quarterback with experience to add on top of you know Luke Altmaier, where you feel like your top two just became a heck of a lot better, or Paddock makes Donovan Leary that much better, um, right? So the fact that you've added those two pieces is huge, uh, but I think this is going to be fun to see what he can do with Luke Altmaier and John Paddock, adding them to Donovan Leary and Kirkland Michaud and and Cal Swanson. Uh, But Tommy DeVito was far more proven than Altmaier. He's better than John Paddock. So this spring is going to be fascinating to see how those guys run with it. But he said his plan doesn't change. It's the same thing of how he taught DeVito. A lot of it is just translation of terminology from one offense uh, to the other, Joey. So it's going to be fascinating to see how these guys play out in the spring. We're not going to be able to see a lot of it. But you've certainly added talent with all my Reddit experience with John Paddock. But my biggest takeaways outside of him taking me through that story is, and I'm going to have a story out on this soon, is his expectations for himself and his offense going into year two. You know, Brett Bielema basically said, I need to see more consistency. I need to see a, a more definite identity moving forward. And Barry, I think, has always been really good with us about taking accountability, all those things. He said, we should have higher expectations. That—that That is the expectation. I need to be better. We need to be better. But he really pointed back to his UTSA days. They took a big leap, a significant step in year one when he took over as offense coordinator. And then year two, they took another significant step. He thinks with everything else they're returning on offense outside of the quarterbacks, even with experienced running backs who aren't Chase Brown, the wide receiver crew is mostly back. The tight end crew, you get Tip Ryman, a lot of those guys back. The offensive line is certainly back. But the fact that they can hit the ground running and maybe lift up the quarterbacks until the quarterbacks catch up, and then the quarterbacks take them to another level with the talent that he thinks they can bring. Uh, I found that refreshing to hear from from Barry Lenny that he didn't think – they were good enough for for what they wanted even though they were encouraged by the strides they made um he's he's putting a lot of pressure on himself and the staff to take another step forward i I just think that's always good to hear that kind of accountability and and, and internal expectation for himself
1: yeah i think my takeaway from that is the the bar can't be 2021 and before for illinois football um, because they, they cleared that bar, but you you can't measure everything against. Ah, well, this program's never really thrown the ball very well. They've never really been this because that's that's not how you take step forwards. And I think that's what when you hear Barry Loney say those things and taking a step from where they were a year ago, uh, th- that's what you want to hear uh, from the offensive coordinator to say, Yeah, we we have another gear to take. I guess my question that I wanted to ask you, Jeremy, and I don't remember if we talked about this on the pod. Tampa it feels like a year ago at this point. Fred Bielma wants to see an identity develop. What is that?
0: Yeah, I I was getting the shoe out of the room Um, (laughs) at at that point. I think we both were because it was almost time for Bielma's. That's my follow-up the next time I talk to him because I only got really two or three questions out of that after talking about the quarterbacks. I think they're going to throw the ball a little bit more. I I really do. I I think they're going to throw it around a little bit more. Not not like – they're going to throw in the ball 60% of the time. That's not what Brett Bielman does. It's not what Barry Loney does. Uh, but I do think they're going to throw it a little bit more. They want to get more vertical, and I think that does take more personnel to do that, especially in the wide receiver room. Um, and then, yeah, I, I, w- I wanted to ask him, like, what do you feel you can get better at? Like, wh- What do you feel, whether you use a play caller, and I don't know if he would add specifics, because he said he's really going to, him and his staff are really going to dive into that over the next month. They were out in the road recruiting, they got another month or two before spring ball. They're really going to dive into that coming up. But, yeah, that, that's where I just didn't have enough time to, to ask him about that. But that certainly is the biggest question I have. And I don't think we're going to get that clear answer, uh, and they're going to show us all the cards. But, you know, there's certainly play calls Barry Lunny would want back. But I do think this scheme, I thought him as a play caller, were significant upgrades for Illinois. But, yes, you need to take that to another level because you're probably not going to have the number one defense in the country next year. I think it'll be really good, don't get me wrong, but you probably won't have the number one defense, so your offense is going to have to take another step forward.
1: Yeah, I do think they're going to throw more, and I think you and I have talked to enough recruits or people around recruits, especially in the offensive playmaker department. Uh, Well, That's been the message. Going out to prospective recruits is, okay, we told you we were going to throw more. We did, and my read of it is, There's going to be more on top of that, Um, which which I think takes some, I don't want to say casual fans or people who, I think it takes the notion of what Brett Bielema has been as a head coach and and those little bit of a wrench into the idea, even though Bielema has said time over that, hey, we have thrown the ball, even though they have been very dominant, uh, rushing attacks under Brett Bielema. I think that that is hard maybe for some people to reckon with that because well, Bielma, you, he was always run.
0: Yeah, because well, when, when, when you think of Bielema, you think of, sorry to interrupt, but you think of oh, yeah. Monte Ball, John Clay, James White, you know, Melvin Gordon at the very end. You think of those guys. And, and one uh, quarterback. Yeah, and, R- and Russ, right, of right. course. But even before Russ, they were incredibly efficient right. at throwing the ball. Uh, I went back and looked at the numbers when Brett Bielema got here, and I was kind of astonished because I didn't think about it that way that they usually led the conference in passing yards per completion, passing yards per attempt. Uh, They were very good at it because the run set up the pass, and they were accurate. They had big wide receivers, uh, and and they were able to move the ball. And and we've heard from George McDonald in my talks with him. They want to make more plays after the catch, and that's going to take more talent at wide receiver, uh, and they're starting to get that. I think Pat Bryant can be more capable of that. Isaiah Williams obviously is very good. He's the best in the Big Ten this year at that. But when you had Malik Ellis, you had Colin Dixon, you had Kanari Wilcher, who I don't want to say is not going to be a guy who can he could potentially make an impact right away. Um, I think that's that that was the next step in that wide receiver room, and we'll see how close uh, how quickly those guys can make an impact. But yeah, that's that's a great follow up question that I would love to ask. What do you think? Is there anything else you think will be more identity with them?
1: I don't. Like I think there's this conception like you either run or you're an air raid, right? Yeah. Like which isn't true at all. But I I think exactly what you said the efficient get the ball in the hands of playmakers, which you know maybe that's more passes from five to fifteen than it is from fifteen to twenty five.
0: More um, stretch the field, more. Um, and I think red zone. Yeah, I think I don't think Brett Bielma had a problem going for fourth and one and running the ball with Chase Brown. I think what he might have had a problem with is, okay, what are we? Are we that team? Or are we the team that gets a little cute in the red zone? Because you, I, those things can work. Those, you know, eye candy plays in the red zone can work. And when you have that little room and teams know you're running, um, maybe that's what Brett Bielma wants to know a little bit more about because you and I were like, what are they? I I don't know what they're trying to be in the red zone at times. And I think one great thing for Barry Lunny, and he's mentioned this, I know my players now, I know my personnel, I know what they can do. I know what they can't do. Um, So that'll be interesting to see how he builds on that.
1: Yeah. I'm fascinated by that because there are a lot of returning pieces more than not offensively. Um, Now the biggest one is the quarterback and that is where everything... and an all-American running back. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. I always forget, like, not forget, because that that sounds like I'm not very good at this. Um, it slips my mind, I guess, a little bit. But yeah, um, I do wonder. I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud here, so maybe this is going to sound stupid. Please, for the love of God, correct me if it does. Um, I don't know. Like you, you get into the, the the deep red zone, like the five and closer, and it. It almost feels like malpractice to not give the ball to your all-American running back. That's right. So I don't know if there's going to be anything where it's like, oh thank God, not thank God, Chase Brownson, because that's not even close to the reality. But like, if do you feel more broad in your playbook without? Yeah. like, Look, here's a, here's you the feel like, you like, feel, feel like
0: you're less pressured to to give it to Chase Brown for dude, Heisman if they throw campaign. It the one yard
1: line, and they throw it three straight times. Every freaking question and post game after that, and on Monday, is, so you didn't give to Chase. Uh, like, and that's fair and reasonable. And I don't want this at all to sound like, oh well, good news is Chase Brown's gone because that's not good news. <laughs> right. Like that, that's not at all. I just wonder, like in, in specific situations like that, if it's like, okay. Ooh, like my, my, more.
0: my thing all year was, you have to use Chase Brown in the red zone. He has yeah. to be on the end, especially with Josh McCray. Or, and that, that's something we always forget. Josh McCray's injury, I think, impacted that because Chase was tired by the end of the time he got there. Teams loaded the box. They knew it was going to Chase. So, yeah, it was kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Uh, I always thought you could use Chase even if it was play action. Even if it was a rollout, I thought you could use Tommy DeVito more. That's To be honest, that's what I thought. And I think Luke Waltemeyer is very similar, and he's probably a better runner. Than, than Tommy DeVito, better athlete than Tommy DeVito. Not as, I wouldn't say not quite as big, but he's a little sl- more slender yeah. than, than Tommy. Um, it's not like Tommy so in There's
1: also a pretty yeah. significant age gap between the two.
0: Yeah, so I, I just thought they could use that more, and I think Tip Ryman can still be a good guy in the red zone. I, I know down the field he did not have a good year. Um, I don't think he's quite ready for that, um, but I do think he can be pretty good. In the red zone, I think you got a couple young tight ends who can be, as well so that'll be interesting moving forward we got we got to weigh in on the podcast here we haven't given our full thoughts on thad ward charlie Bowen, both hired for illinois football as their their new assistants thad comes obviously after spending time on lovey staff was a very good recruiter he didn't get a lot of help and i think he kind of made mention of that in his press I comments, thought it was kind of. Uh, that Bielma will be hand-in-hand in hand in with him in recruiting. I can tell you covering that staff that uh, he did not have his head coach hand-in-hand hand with him in recruiting all the time. And then Charlie Bowen, Bielma told the truth. He was looking towards the NFL, uh, and he got an NFL guy in Charlie Bowen. So, Joey Wagner, how do you feel those guys fit the Illini staff?
1: Let's start with Thad because he's a familiar name, and that's it, right? Like, he, he knows – he knows the the footprint, the layout of the state, of the university, of the the Midwest. Um, and look, this isn't a guy that was like. You know, sometimes when you leave a program, you know, Illinois is a Power Five program. That's not news. Uh, you leave, and like there's two ways. Like he can be on a downward. Like then you go to a, you know, group of five FCS, whatever the case is. He left Kansas State, which, especially after Oklahoma and Texas leave, like they might be running show there in the Big 12 for a while. Do
0: you remember when Illinois was hiring um sons of head coaches who weren't qualified for the job or <laughs> FCS maybe coaches for for assistant coaching jobs? They just stole an assistant from the Big 12 reigning champion. Um so I, I just I didn't understand, maybe it's only a few people. I didn't understand anybody questioning the Thad Ward hire and I just think you put Thad Ward under this head coach and this coaching staff and I think that's part of why he came here um, he's a perfect fit I think he's an A hire. he's an he's a overqualified running backs coach he was just a wide receivers coach which is usually a step ahead in, in the chase for an OC job um, he's been a successful running backs coach Kendrick Foster and Reggie Corbin weren't Ballyhood recruits and, and they had really good years under him and then he recruits Chicago he recruits St. Louis he recruits South Florida that's exactly what you would have drawn up. It's just some people maybe know the name Thad Ward. Like, I know that guy. He was on Lovey staff. I think you put him in this coaching staff. Yeah, I think it's going to work extremely well. And I think obviously Thad came with a lot of high recommendations. Pat Hamilton, Nate McNeil are on the recruiting staff. Those guys are doing better under Brett Bielma. And Corey Patterson, who's really close with Thad, um, gave a really good recommendation.
1: Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I think... If you wouldn't have put and, and dude, that's just human nature, right? To to go for the mystery box. If you're a fan, I get it. I don't I'm not trying to to, you know, what are you thinking? That's not it. Like I, I understand. But man, if you would have just said here are the qualifications, no name, that's not a knock on that. It's just he's not he's somebody who's been here. Everyone would have ran and lined up uh to to get that guy. And it just still happens. He's been here before, which I think plays into his his benefit. You know how the university operates. You're not calling coaches in Chicago and St. Louis for the first time. You've been there. You know them. You you have people. Even if you there've been coaching changes in some of those high schools, you have people who know people. And like the the, the familiarity is really important for Illinois to not rebuild relationships. Thad Ward can hit the ground running. At Illinois, and he's got people who are going to help him do it. People who are tied in in some of those areas that he's already really good at. I think it's a really good hire. We're only talking about recruiting. He was a pretty good running backs coach for for Illinois. Reggie Corbin comes to mind to That twenty eighteen year was was wild, uh, Jeremy. That he, he's a good coach. And to your point, he was overqualified. The, the trajectory is running backs coach, wide receivers coach. You saw that with Corey Patterson. And he leaves the big 12 reigning champion. We'll probably be moving forward right after those two programs leave to come to Illinois. Like that is a really good get for Illinois.
0: And Charlie Bowen, this is not a name I think most people knew I like that. The more you look into it, the more we heard from him. I was very impressed at his press conference. any, You know, he spent the last 10 years, for people that don't know, just a whiteboard in the NFL as a defensive assistant. Last couple years as an outside linebackers coach, edge coach, whatever you want to call it. Uh, But he'll be the outside linebackers coach at Illinois. He was involved in coaching day-to-day. Chandler Jones, one of the greatest pass rushers in NFL history, top 40 in sacks, in career sacks. And Hassan Reddick, who is one of the top – he's number three, Joey, the last three years in the NFL in sacks. So you have that, and now you get to coach – Gabe Ackes, you get to coach Seth Coleman, Alec Bryant, Jared Beatty. Uh, I am really high on Trey Smith, Calvin Smith. Uh, you got a really good group, and, and Brett Bielma wants to get the most out of them. and it sounds like Brett Bielma thought they could have gotten more out of those guys uh, last year as pass rushers, which those guys were really good. I think Kevin Kane was good at his job, was a really good recruiter. So Charlie Bowen comes in as a, a more even proven outside linebackers coach in developing pass rushers. I think that's a great fit for that room that's already kind of built thanks to Kevin Kane and this staff, that has a bunch of talent, as talented as maybe any uh, in, in the Illinois depth chart. And now he's got to recruit. And he's got to figure that out, and he admits that. But once he hits the ground running, I think he'll be fine. His personality, I think, will click. He's young. He's, uh, I think, a perfect fit in the Chicago suburbs where Kane was recruiting because he's from Palatine. He went to Iowa, uh, You know, learned under Kirk Ferentz. i I like this hire too i I think this is a pretty impressive hire to get a former nfl assistant who also has in-state big 10 ties young coach i think he fits in well and is surrounded by good enough recruiters that i don't think his inexperienced recruiting is going to be harmful early on especially at a position that is pretty talented already
1: yeah i i I just think in talking to him he seems like a guy who's who's going to be able to make connections. And I asked him, "So what's the biggest challenge? The logistics of it, the layout of it, the the planning of it all? All very reasonable initial challenges." Uh, I also thought there is the fact there are the facts of who he coached, and you, you named name those guys. But when he talked, I didn't get the sense that he was like, "Yeah, well, listen, I coach like it." It wasn't like a crutch to lean on it was more of a fact like yeah. but he also talked about their growth how they helped him grow and what the things he was able to take from them and I, I thought that was impressive he's a young guy Jeremy I mean I, I think he's going to be be able to connect with with this room think he's going to be able to connect with people out on the be a coach his parents players out on the recruiting trail now I mean he he's not proven recruiting wise as a high school coach or the college coach that's clear. I mean, that's that's the point. You, you can't really argue with that, but from a development standpoint, from from just a, a resume standpoint, it, it's an impressive hire for Brett Bielma to pull someone away from the NFL, to, to bring him into a room that's talented that, you know, and I'm with you, especially as past rusher, it felt like Brett Bielma indicated in some of his press conferences that there was some left to be desired there to go get the quarterback. So you, it's, it's not as... It's it's weird. I don't want to say he's not as proven as Thad, Ward, uh, but as that's a college probably. coach, he's yeah. not. As, no, a, as a college funny. coach, he's not. As a coach, as a coach, 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 right? Like, sure, like the, the provenness. But as a college coach, there's going to be some adjustments for him and some things to learn. But he's uh, he, he passed the the first test with like I thought he was a really personable guy. I thought he was he was clear in his thinking. He's he's got the resume to back it up, and, and I I think to your point, uh, if I could expand on it a little bit. Maybe because that room is both young and talented, you don't like. This isn't just a hey. If he misses on guys, don't sweat it, uh, because you you don't want to miss. Not coaches don't get into recruiting to miss. Uh, But it's not like you need immediate. This isn't the defensive line uh, where you need long term and immediate help.
0: Well, Alec Bryant like is a redshirt sophomore. Gabe Acus is a sophomore. So you got two more years of those guys at least. Uh, unless Alec Bryant just turns into all-world here. Um, Jared Beatty is a redshirt freshman. Calvin Smith, Pat Farrell is freshman. So, yeah, I mean, there's a little less pressure. Like, And is a pretty good outside linebacker's coach himself. So Aaron sure.
1: Henry can recruit. Uh, right. Some of those lead recruiters and some of those footprints can recruit.
0: And and when Gabe Ackes and Seth Coleman are probably going to have big years right getting a bunch of single teams one-on-ones is johnny newton and keith randolph wreck havoc in, in in the middle like yeah i think i think they're gonna have a pretty easy recruiting and as you said his personality like you you can tell right away with a lot of these guys when you you just even press conferences you can but when you just talk to him one-on-one like off on the side or what like you can tell can they can they connect with you do they are they interested in you like it's pretty easy to figure out what kind of personalities play that takes effort on the recruiting trail, but, uh, most guys in these jobs
1: want to give effort. Um,
0: so, well, and,
1: and if you, if you don't, if it doesn't appear that you're going to, I mean, that's be on his job to suss that out during yeah. the, the interview process
0: and be um, gets a, gets the benefit of the doubt with a lot of these things. Um, his predecessor probably didn't get, yeah, go ahead. Jimmy.
1: Yeah, before we move on, you, you said, uh, I want to pose a question to you. Um, that I got to thinking while well, you talk about the outside linebacker room being one of the most talented rooms, mm-hmm. I want to do a little now versus then. If we could give me your top, let's say two or three most talented rooms going into spring ball twenty three versus going into spring ball twenty twenty. Right. That would have been the last love of year. That's not to to dunk, but I I think there's a significant, I don't know that there's going to be a lot of overlap. Can we
0: save that? Can we save that towards the end? Because I think we're going to get into this uh, with our class of
1: 2023. I just don't know that there's going to be a lot of overlap. In what way? Like, I think if you were to say that outside, like, obviously, outside linebacker room didn't exist uh, in that capacity, but like, I wouldn't have said, "Hmm, I probably would have said offensive. I don't know. Like, would you have said offensive line because it was probably more top heavy than deep going into that spring ball?
0: Yeah, because like Lovey did a really good job his first recruiting
1: class. Great job. Yeah. Uh, and yeah so maybe really... that would be the overlap. But I don't yeah. know that I would have said wide receiver. And I think you could have that discussion now. You yeah. know. So I just I think that the offensive line might overlap, defensive line might overlap. I don't know how many more. Bro.
0: But okay, so let's just answer this right. It's outside linebacker and wide receiver. Th- those have taken the biggest leap so
1: to, to be no just the best most talented position rooms right now like oh. those two positions have taken the biggest leap right yeah. like we wouldn't have even had those two in the conversation going into spring ball 20
0: yeah right now on this team for the
1: long term that's right yeah And no, i want to make it clear like we're not talking about the best starters we're talking yeah. first to last term, guy on the depth chart
0: i would say outside linebacker offensive line and db
1: yeah, I would. Because I still got,
0: I still got to find out who my starter is at running back. Yeah, and I still feel like I'm really young at wide receiver. Like, I, still I feel got
1: a couple. I mean, you got to figure out a couple starters at defensive back too.
0: Yeah, no, I, I just, I just like the long term talent they're sure. getting there. Um, I've, but yeah, so DB yeah. and running back can be in that same tier. But I feel pretty confident in the offensive line and outside of linebacker.
1: Yeah. And like, so if if you're hearing this again, if you don't hear defensive line, it's because we have questions below yeah. Johnny Newton, Keith Randolph, T.R. Edwards. Um, yeah, for,
0: for next year, defensive line, I feel is yeah, good Absolutely.
1: <laughs> I, I think you could, like, to me, I would have offensive line, outside linebacker, and I think wide receiver deserves to be in that conversation of cornerback, running back. I, I would probably lean um, to, or I'm sorry, defensive back. I'd probably lean towards defensive back yeah but i really like some of the young talent at wide receiver
0: i'm a year away from out from wide receiver being sure, a real strength yeah, to this sure. team but yes i'm i'm excited about the future there so what would we have said in spring 20 running back offensive line at the time mm-hmm. not yep, yep. especially because probably your five or six were pretty dang good uh tight end you probably felt pretty good about at the time with daniel barker and luke Ford and tip uh, i guess tip wasn't part of that yet um you're Def-
1: weird not saying defensive back.
0: Defensive line, you probably felt pretty good with Owen Carney, Isaiah Gay, Johnny Newton, Keith Randolph, Calvin Avery. Uh, defensive back, you probably weren't quite there yet.
1: They took big jumps in 21, yeah. 22 seasons.
0: Like you felt good. Sydney was a sometimes good player, sometimes not. Devin Witherspoon showed some early promise. Nate Hobbs was there, so yeah. Tony Adams. I mean, DB was still a strength of that team, but it just felt right. like can't they get more out of them? And new staff came in and they did.
1: It just feels interesting how, you know, like, I don't know, to me, in my mind when I first posed the question, I, I didn't know that there was going to – didn't think as much about the overlap. I thought it was going to yeah. be totally different. Uh, the point was just trying to show how how much this changed and some of the strengths have, have kind of been shuffled around in the last yeah. two years.
0: All right, we got one more, and then we'll get into our Class of 2023 review. Ben Miller, um, I thought was really brave the other day, coming out in, with us and, and and talking to us about – his last year uh, of struggles, stage four colon cancer, and he's still battling it, man. He said he's kind of on a a three-month cycle of making sure everything's okay, but sounds pretty positive right now. Of course, anybody who's dealt with cancer knows that that can change. So I do think Ben Miller's got a a good perspective about, hey, living three months at a time here. Um, But because of of his continued battle, um, he can't give the time – and the effort that it takes and, and just the physical uh, part of being on the road and grinding as they do as recruiters. He's going to step into more of an analyst role for Illinois off the field role, which he was in the last year. And now Brett Bielema is going to go hire a new assistant. So uh, all the best to Ben Miller. He's He's been awesome. Every time I've talked with him, I got to catch up with him a little bit uh, last Wednesday, uh, but man, he told this story and I thought he told it really well. It seems like Brett Bielema has been really supportive. His family really loves champagne. Uh, So all the best to him moving forward. But now Brett Bielema's got to go get another tight end slash special teams coach. Uh, And I would imagine special teams is the priority here uh, because Brett Bielema puts a huge um, priority on special teams, uh, especially with how much he talks about complimentary football and all that. So he's got another hire here to make, Joey. So what do you think about it? Like, what do you think is the – I don't think you and I are going five deep on a special teams hot list here like Matt Pistol. But – I I think there's probably a profile. So what do you think the profile is?
1: Is it more special teams or is it more tight end? Like that's my first question. And and to be honest, Jeremy, I don't know that I could answer that for Ben. I think Ben was more special teams.
0: I think he was like the
1: perfect candidate, right?
0: Yeah, tight ends is something like it's a group that's important and it's important to this offense. But they had a bunch of guys chipping in. There could be grad assistants that coach it. Um, I I think it could be even, but I I think special teams is a bigger deal. Like I think it is a bigger priority than singularly coaching tight ends, which is usually sometimes can be, it was for Corey Patterson, I think kind of an introductory role. Now, Brett Bielma, I think tight ends are more important than they were in Rod Smith's offense. uh, But I do think special teams will be a bigger deal in this hire.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I I think you probably look for somebody with more of a special teams background. Like that—that's as much insight as I could give. I don't know if you've got. Yeah, any I got. More. And then
0: I got a recruiting profile. I, I think it'll be probably, probably a younger guy. I think it's gonna sure. be somebody who can help in recruiting because that—that's something you've missed. Like, sure, you could send somebody because Ben, you know, you could get an NCAA waiver and send Nate McNeil or, or Pat Embleton on the road recruiting all of that, but i do think you missed ben miller being able to recruit ohio that's an area you wanted to get into and the midwest i think is where you would like the recruiting territory to be because i do think that's important with illinois like you got terrence jamison in michigan you got george mcdonald indiana uh you got thad ward now can get into st louis a little bit more in missouri uh you got all
1: in wisconsin
0: and and minnesota right like barton can do that uh and then do you go to somebody in Ohio? Do you find somebody that can do maybe more Missouri, Kansas City, St. Louis? Like uh, That'll be very interesting to watch. But you know, if I had a profile, it'd be a guy who's more special teams leaning with a background inside ends, but also with a Midwest recruiting um, kind of ties. What would make sense for me? I don't know who that would be. Uh, it could be somebody he gets from Texas, right? Like Maybe he wants to go into Texas. I don't know. But uh, that, that would make sense to me.
1: Yeah, and I, I think it's been... Just when you look at the hires and the footprints of which some of these coaches are familiar, from a recruiting standpoint, they seem to know who they are and aren't trying to emerge in various. You know, I, I don't get the sense that they're trying to become a player in Texas or yeah. in Georgia or or in places that just don't make a lot of sense. They have success in the Midwest. They have the Florida areas. Uh, Andy Boo in New Jersey's got some ties. Like it doesn't feel to me like they're going to try to be like you know we think California is somewhere we would really like to be involved in. Let's try to bring a West coast, you know, somebody with those ties that just doesn't, you're stretched too far. Like it feels so, like they're very sounds great in. with
0: UCLA and USC coming in, but what can you get out of there? Where you're going to get right. out of there is the guys who were overlooked by the power five schools there. And they have a bunch of group of five offers, which can get you Bennett Williams. Right. Um, but more can get you Kenyon Sims and Matt Robinson offensively, but that that's the kind of guy you're probably going to get
1: out of there. And far from home.
0: Yeah. And more likely to transfer probably.
1: Right. Yeah. And I, and I say this because Charlie Bullen's got some, or Bullen's got some Midwest ties. He's from Palatine. Bad Ward has it. Just, if you look at their hires, this isn't a case of trying to get cute with it. Like they, they know who they are and it seems like they're, which is kind of the vibe I've gotten from Brett Bielema from the beginning he knows who he is um so i think yeah to your point midwest makes sense somebody somebody with those footprints can can come in and and kind of help expand some of those territories or be more of a player in some of the and really in ohio that's kind of the one that's that's out there still
0: As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick Six is a must listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. All right, Joey, let's uh, let's dive into the class of 2023 because I think we can put a bow on it. Right? Uh, maybe there's some Isaiah Gay late ad here, but uh, I think they've filled their guys and uh, filled their class. Mac Rusetic, of course, the the late addition here. So let's start big picture joey the illinois class of 2023 ranks number 43 in the country in the composite team rankings number eight in the big 10 number 43 uh and we could break this down average star rating it's not as high as a lot of the big 10 teams but 43 would be their highest rated recruiting class in more than a decade so if we had to put a letter grade on this which is always fantastic content right god how would you grade the illinois class of 2023 (laughs)
1: B? B, because I still think you, you you can't overlook the misses on the defensive line. Uh, you had two chances at Rod Pierce. You had two chances at Jamel Howard. I, I, and you had Jamar on Harkless for a moment. Uh, you can't overlook those misses. That's not to take anything away from Alex Bray, uh, or Jeremiah Warren, or who, who am I? Who's Mason Moragan. Mason Morgan who I like. Uh, it's not taking anything away from those guys, but you can't overlook the fact that you you were really in the fight for for three other two instaters and and Jamari on Harkless, and then quarterback, right? Quarterback, Cal Swanson's got very intriguing tools, a lot of things that that you think they can work with, but you got to work with them. Um, if you get one of those defensive linemen, does it move up to a B plus? Maybe I think I feel comfortable saying B.
0: Yeah. I think I'm on the B, B-plus line. Yeah. So I'll go B-plus just to be a little different from you. Because you got Malik Elzey. You got Caden Fagan. I, you would have told me that before the classic, like, pretty right. dang good. Pretty, and That's and right. I am a huge fan of Sabor Kareem. I felt really hot takey when that this last spring at this time. Because Jire Hill is the in-state kid from Kankakee. Weren't able to land him. Michigan gets him, right? And you lost some of your top targets to Michigan. So it's like, well, that's going to happen when they get back-to-back college football playoffs and Big Ten championships. But I feel really good about landing those two guys, landing nine more in-state prospects, landing a strong edge rusher class. Um, I, I broke this all down in a story I have up today, my 10 final thoughts. Your offensive line recruits way more power five offers among that group. Your wide receiver group was fantastic. It's the best one I've seen Illinois get maybe in the time that I've covered uh, just in, in prospects. Um, defensive line, we'll talk about that here in a little bit. Yeah, that's a little bit. But defensive backs, I thought you did really well. You're doing really well in the Midwest. You're doing really well down in Florida and New Jersey and Andy Boo, what he's doing there. Uh, and you look at you know what, how you kind of stack up. I, I don't know how long this is going to matter. But the programs you care about and, like, that Illinois really is competing with, right? When you talk about where they're going to be in the Big Ten, it's it's the Big Ten West, and right now you're behind Nebraska and Iowa in the Big Ten West recruiting rankings. Maybe I'm grading on a curve a little bit, but the fact that you're above Minnesota, Northwestern, Wisconsin, Purdue, I think that's a very encouraging sign for Illinois. The fact that you're winning power five recruiting battles, four star recruiting battles, um, is very encouraging for Illinois. So. I think this is the best recruiting class Illinois has landed in a while. Like a 2017, I felt really good about that one. Last year, felt like that was a step forward. This was a better, even bigger step forward, I thought, um, than the last year was. So I, I just think this was a really, really good recruiting class for Illinois. So let's dive into best positional halls. Joey, what's the most encouraging one?
1: Wide receiver, Malik Elzie looks looks the part. He's got everything you want colin dixon's a guy who i mean you and i think pretty highly of uh in terms of what he can bring those two have a lot of potential moving down the road you're you're starting to see some some stack he doesn't have the numbers right it's not like you like the offensive line you got three guys there edge rusher Uh, but i really like what they were able to add at wide receiver
0: yeah no i think that's the the best group they've gotten maybe outside of specialists right? Declan Dooley and and David Alano, two of the best in the state. Um, Yeah. I think wide receiver has got to be the most encouraging. This is a position Illinois has been terrible recruiting before George McDonald arrived. And the fact that you won Malik Elsey, um, maybe as important of a target in this class as anybody. Uh, The fact that you won that Um, Colin Dixon, one of the most productive wide receivers in Ohio. They play good football in Ohio. Um, Canary Wilshire, one of the most productive wide receivers in Florida. They play good football in Florida. I think all those guys have a chance to make an early impact. I think all those guys have a chance to be really, really good, and they all add something very different. Like Malik Elsey can make plays after the catch, but is big, physical, strong, and he's just got a great demeanor and attitude about him. Colin Dixon, a little bit versatile in everything that he can do, but certainly can stretch a defense. And then Canary is just a burner, man. Like just and they need burners. You talk about you know getting somebody who can make plays after the catch, but also just take the top off of defense. Uh Canari Wilcher potentially can do that. So that is that is number one. I think the D B class was really strong, headlined by Sabor Kareem. They flip Zachary Tobe, uh, Toby from North Carolina. He's a no put doubt power five guy. Jaheem Clark's one of my favorite guys in this class. I think he's a little underrated. He's long, he's a little thin, Joey, but he's aggressive. And Illinois has done well with guys like that. And Mac is intriguing, uh, certainly, as uh, a late get, somebody that kept under the radar. I think that's a well-balanced class. The other one you, I would say is –
1: yeah, One of my favorite guys in the class, Caleb Patterson. Caleb Patterson. Uh, junior college edition. But I, right. I, I really, really like him.
0: No, yeah, he, he can make an immediate impact. Length, man. I broke this down, like a lot of these guys, all of them are over six foot. Four of them, all the guys who could play corner – potentially are over six foot one. So they, that has been uh, a definite focus for them, especially after adding Tyson Rooks um, and uh, Matthew Bailey last year. Offensive line was good too. I, I thought the Brandon Henderson flip was massive. He has the fewest amount of power five offers of those guys, but I just think he's got the highest ceiling. I think he could be really, really good down the road. TJ McMillan to me is such a high floor guy, potential team captain. Then Zach Amlin reminds me of Hunter Whitenack. Uh, maybe not as burly, but <laughs> just the way he plays is just he's massive, long, and uh, just physical as hell.
1: This isn't obviously they play different positions. You get some Keith Randolph vibes with Brandon Henderson. Newish to football, really high ceiling, sure. comes in pretty raw. Uh, Keith had everybody and their brother coming after him, uh, especially late in the process. You see why, but I, maybe it's the Metro East and, and the big guy in the trenches. But uh, I think there's some similarity. If you, that's not to say Brandon Henderson is going to turn into what Keith Randolph is his right. position, uh, but just the rawness there. I, I think there might be, there might be some parallels. Yeah.
0: No. And, and to get somebody at East St. Louis along with Jojo Hayden uh, was pretty, pretty big remaining concerns. You mentioned defensive line. I like the evaluations they actually made in this class. Mason Morag and Alex Bray, especially, I think are just tenacious. Um, you know, big guys, not maybe not the, the biggest, but like they're big defense, power five defensive linemen. Uh, Jeremiah Warren certainly a, a solid nose guard prospect that I know Alan True really likes uh, as an evaluation. But none of those guys have power five offers. So you're relying on evaluation and development. And... I think Terrence Jameson is a really good developer of talent. Like what he's done with that group, not only Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph, but I think T Ron Edwards was really good. Calvin Avery had his best year last year. Um, so I, I think he's doing a really, really good job of technique and developing those guys to be the best they can be. And they could probably take another leap this year. But to report that the next wave of your post Johnny Newton Keith Randolph defensive line, you don't have a Johnny Newton or Keith Randolph recruiting win. Right, like those guys, their ceilings were extremely high. Uh, Allen thinks Mason Moraga and Alex Bray, Jeremiah Warren, all have a high floor, which is important. But do you have the game records of Johnny Newton, Keith Randolph? Maybe they will be in four years. It's just they didn't have the recruiting wins that sometimes it takes to have dominant defensive
1: lines. Yeah, I think my I know, hang up. Uh, you like those evaluations and a lot of that comes into you trust the staffs evaluation? like if you're a fan and you want to look at this how much do you trust the staffs evaluation uh, but my concern would be you need guys next year like yeah. it was a gift to get Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph back for this coming season you need guys after that are these the guys I don't I, it's foolish to try to say yes or no right now, right? Yeah,
0: it's compounded by the fact that the two previous recruiting classes, you got Sed McConnell, and that's
1: it. Which, let's be fair, it's probably not fair to evaluate like to the guys to evaluate this class based on the other two, but it, it's part of the picture. Yeah, and you they, have they, to they, look at it like that. That's the
0: concern, right? Is you had this great defensive line cell this year, a couple guys in state that fit it. Now you lost them to Michigan and Wisconsin. So those are tough, but you want to start winning those. Uh, and, and you weren't able to win those in this class. And to lose a guy like Jamarian Harkless, who I wrote at the time, I thought he was as big of a get. Like, if they had signed Jamarian Harkless... Now, listen, I don't know what happened behind the scenes. He ends up at Purdue with Ryan Walters, uh, gets dropped by Ole Miss, so I, I don't know. But, like, talent-wise, I thought he was exactly what they needed as a future nose tackle. They're certainly going to keep going to the portal they did with Denzel Dax, and again this year. I think t is going to be good. But, yeah, it's, just, it's compounded by it's three years in a row where you really, really don't have a big power five recruiting win on the defensive line. And at some point, Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph are going to the pros and you have to replace those guys. So that's the concern.
1: Can we talk about defensive? Cause like you and I have talked a lot on road trips about defensive line recruiting, but I know that we've talked a lot on the podcast. Uh, so can, it's, it's something to think about here. And I want to preface this with, we're not saying, Hey, don't sweat it. You know, it, like there have been misses like that you want to close on the misses you've had. Like we need to put that out there in plain terms, like for Illinois to keep building depth though, you've got to start closing on, on guys like Rod Pierce, like Jamel Howard defense. But that being said, Jeremy defensive line recruiting is really hard because there are not enough power five defensive linemen for power five teams. And again, I don't want to excuse the fact that you've missed guys because like that happened and you're going to, some of those guys are going to come back to you that you've missed. Like that's just a fact of reality. Yeah, and let's be honest. The, like sorry.
0: I thought, Lovey Smith was pretty good at it. Yeah, yeah. You know, Bobby Roundtree was a heck of a get. Um, obviously Keith and and Johnny were big gets. Owen Carney was was a really big recruiting win. Um, so I think he was pretty good at it. Uh, maybe not towards the end. Uh, but but this staff obviously didn't get off on the right foot last year, losing Brian Allen and Terrell Jones. Those guys flipping, but. Um, I think this is. I think there's a. They at least address depth, right? They at least address depth, and I think you have guys who are going to contribute. Do you have guys who can be stars? That's my, that's my question. And and maybe in three or four years, Mason Moragan is wrecking havoc uh, on the Big Ten because he is the type of guy Iowa has signed and has ended up being awesome for them.
1: So let's go down the list of, of the the misses over the last two years. And I I was jotting this down while you were talking. I'm just looking at guys who visited and not just the sheer offers thrown out. Visits are, you know, officially visiting is, is kind of the bar here. Terrell Jones, he ends up at Virginia. I don't know that he wanted to sign in the early period. Um, so I, Illinois I moved on, who, right? Yeah, so Brian Allen committed, had ties to Iowa. That ended up being able to go through. He ends up at Iowa. So just two power five flips. Jamel Howard, he had two cracks at me. That's a tough one. He ends up at Wisconsin both times. Rod Pierce, ends up at Wisconsin. You missed the first time. You probably regret not closing that down earlier. If you if you could have, goes to Wisconsin, decommits, ends up at Michigan. Uh, Jamarion Harkless, you discussed, commits, decommits. He ends up at Auburn, correct? And there was a coaching change. He gets dropped by Auburn. Sorry, at- I said game. Ole Miss, yeah, Auburn. Yeah, that's right. right. Sayla Brown, tough one. He was, He felt like Louisville was going to be his home through and through you put in a hell of a fight for him you didn't get him now like this this isn't losing someone and again i don't want it to sound like i'm just dismissing like well don't sweat it because we're all going to power five guys because you would love to have sailor brown going into his second year at some point you want to right win now, those yes you you want to win those but you're losing you just you see the demand like you're losing to michigan you're losing to wisconsin you're losing to iowa look who offered iowa.
0: jamel howard at the end lsu there's, there's still, the whole world Right,
1: LSU, right. Miami, yeah. The point I, I want to make, and I just hope it doesn't get lost, is there. there's not enough. There are not enough yeah. defensive linemen. It's, a, it's like not. big men in basketball, right? Yes, and yeah. because there's not enough, SEC programs, some of those powers, uh, college football's powers, the, the power broker that the, the teams that get what they want can go in there and clean up and, and get everything else. And then you do have to rely on your evaluations and your ability to find a Mason Moragan, whose film is really good. Yep. And he plays his butt off and you've got to trust that you're going to take that evaluation and develop it. Uh, but yeah, man, like in two years, you probably are going to wish you had, you know, the star, like the man, again, maybe those guys turn into that, but you need like immediately. <laughs> I, I think there's a, a very big sense of urgency there. I just want to point out it's hard, dude. That's a really hard position.
0: I think you made your point. Quarterback. <laughs> Luke Altmaier helps us a lot Right John Paddock helps us a lot um, This is not on the staff so far Like they've had two new offense coordinators Now maybe it's on Brett to Hire the right offense coordinator In the first place But he corrected that mistake um, you know, Cal Swanson's toolsy Really toolsy I wrote and <laughs> my thing He's got some Manzellian Funness to him and when things go off script, he is fast. He is athletic. He's got this kind of innate sense of where to go. But as a pastor, he's going to have a lot of development ahead. I was told when he committed, ask me in three years. Like, let's see in three years. And that's I think that's right. And I think they're going to give him that time. And you can when you have Luke Altmeyer and Donovan Leary and for a year, John Paddock, right? Like Kirkel, Michaud. They're probably going to go back into the portal at some point. Uh, if Altmaier works out, you won't have to, and you can develop some of these guys. But you know, quarterback remains a question prep-wise because you don't have a, you haven't had a lot to sell there. Now they hope to change that in 2024 and win a Power Five battle. It's been a while since Illinois has won a Power Five battle for a quarterback. So time will tell on Cal Swanson. They like the tools. I know Barry Lenny loves the escapability. When things break down, you got a guy who can make a play. It's just the footwork, the mechanics, the decision-making are going to have to improve. And we have to mention, he didn't have a lot of talent around him. Um, So some of the decision-making, I just think he felt like he had to go make some plays. Uh, And he certainly was capable of that. But quarterback, you know, finding more long-term
1: options, that's going to be a priority moving forward. I wanted to make a joke and say one more about the defensive line here, though I have anything. Um, Yeah, all those things are true. And I think this year is like a better test of quarterback recruiting with a full cycle uh, for Barry Lunny Jr. and, and his time at Illinois, because you do did <laughs> similar to line, like there's not enough. Like you've got, and it moves fast. Quarterbacks in the portal move fast, quarterbacks in the high school move fast. So you've got to be in there early. And I think, yeah, I think Cal Swanson's got a ton of tools, uh, but like most freshmen who quarterbacks who aren't five stars, who aren't ready made three year max college players. It's gonna take some time uh, to to get him ready, and that's why you go and get a Luke Altmaier. Yeah, that's why you, you keep you add a quarterback every class for that reason. Uh, but yeah, I, I think there's a lot of stuff that he does that's intriguing. That's that's good. I mean, he's a hell of an athlete. He's yeah. a really really good athlete. We'll see what happens from there. But that's kind of the, probably moving forward. Check back in two or three years if you're in yeah. Illinois, if you're in Iowa, Purdue. Like if you're not one of those big players That's probably the the line of thinking um, for a lot of quarterbacks committing it at this level of college football.
0: All right, Joey, let's wrap this up. The off season isn't over, right? Like The class of 2023, mostly over. Uh, they will start to focus more on 2024 and 2025 moving forward, but there's still a transfer portal to play out, another transfer window after the spring. Uh, so obviously we got to answer the last assistant on this staff, but give me your biggest remaining offseason question for Illinois football, whether that's a spring storyline or a transfer storyline.
1: It's probably the same. Do you think you've got enough at running back? That's probably it for me. Do you, do you get to spring? Does Josh McCray look like freshman Josh McCray? Does Reggie Love take that leap? Is Aiden Lawfree healthy? I think a wild card still is Jordan Anderson. I think you and I both agree, Caden Fagan good looking athlete looks like a kid who's going to hes ready like physically looks ready Uh, there's a big jump from arthur lovington atwood hammond to the big 10 do you feel like right now you've got enough to maintain and and to take a step forward where you want to go offensively and collectively as a team if not can you find that answer after the second wave of the portal opens
0: yeah i do think it's a little bit running back not that i question can they get production out of this group I think Reggie Love can be good. I think Josh McCray, we've seen it. He can be good at this level. Uh, but Jordan Anderson, I think, is is a really intriguing guy. I'm really interested to see how they use him. I do think he's going to be part of their rotation at some point. I think Aiden Loffrey is really what they need. It's just he's been so injury-prone over the last three years of his life uh, with some of these soft tissue injuries. But he's you know strong for his size, 5'10", 205, but he's just a blazer. Right, you need some explosiveness in that room. Maybe Reggie can find another gear as so he gets more healthy here. But Chase could be, you know, a guy who got a bunch of cha- uh, chunk plays, uh, and I think you need another running back who can do that. You got a bunch of big backs here, and I think that's nice to have. But at some point, I do think you're going to need a guy who can break some big runs. Do you find that in the portal? Do you feel like you need it? Is Lawfree healthy? Is Reggie Love, you know, showing another gear? Uh, but for the future at 2024, I do think with all the big backs they've gotten and understandably why they've gotten them. I do think you need somebody who can be more explosive in that running back room. But the fact that we're talking about a group that I feel is solid, is like a remaining question. I mean, we talked about the fourth or fifth guy in the offensive line. I've already brought that up. I mean, I am interested to see who emerges from that tight end room. Tanner Arkin certainly is going to be in there with tip Ryman but Henry Boyer's a massive body, but that's a group that I think needs to improve. I don't think the tight end play was, was great outside of tip Ryman last year. Uh, Michael Marquez was solid and look forward. I don't think ever turned into the player. A lot of people thought he could be. So I do think that's a room that can take a step forward as well. But yeah, when we're talking about the portal, the the likely position we're, we're focused on is running back because you can entice a star there. Uh, I think says something, but the way they've, Add to that room yet? I I would say they're more likely to run with what they got, but it'll be intriguing to watch out.
1: Yeah, I think then you get into some of the the finer details, I guess, and maybe it's two. Uh, defensive back, uh, how does that shake out? You, you think Taz Nicholson's going to be at one corner. I, I would probably guess Caleb Patterson at the other. Um, Tyler Strain, somebody to watch. Like, just how does all that look? Back I think you and I have mentally pictured in Matthew Bailey starting somewhere in the defensive backfield uh, could be a number of positions. So I, just, I think that's, that's interesting. But I think Jeremy as, as we prepare to cover spring here in a month and a half or so, give or take um, probably the, f- the fewest, I don't want to say questions because every year there's questions, whether it be like you said, the running back, the fourth or fifth line defense, but like the fewest pressing questions, like where it's like, Oh God, like that could be a total. I don't think there's a spot where I say that could be a total wreck. Yeah, like I, I think there's, you, you've elevated the talent and, and the coaching staff and some of these, and the players get some of the benefits of the doubts there. Uh, like there's been years where quarterback was like, Oh my God, who, who, who who could possibly do this? <laughs> who? <laughs> who could do I it? ask. Um, I mean, think about, think about this off season so far. Like
0: when we started doing our transfer portal, like needs quarterback was number one. They got two guys right there. Probably going to be top two, if not to your top three. Um, we talked about offensive line. They tried that with Avery Jones, but getting all the guys they got back was just as big. I think offensive line, that still remains a question. I think that's probably the priority transfer in the spring is offensive line. Uh, defensive line was, then you got the two guys back. You got the law firm back, and it isn't. Uh, linebacker was was potentially one. Tariq Barnes and C.J. Hart came back. Uh, cornerback, you got Caleb Patterson. Safety, you got Nicario Harper. Tight end, you got Tanner Arkin. So it's more about like, Outside of offensive line, which may be thrown in here, it's about, can we upgrade? Can we can we upgrade offensive? Can we upgrade at wide receiver? Can we upgrade at running back? I don't think you need depth anywhere else. I think it's more about, can you upgrade your starting lineup right now in
1: the portal? Well, do those transfers, I mean, let's be honest, the transfer's been spotty. Like the, the production from transfers in the last two years has been spotty. Uh, so can Tanner Ark and can DeCario Harper... Luke Altmyer, can, can they come in and and be what Illinois probably both hopes and needs them to be? Um, uh, outside of Tommy DeVito, and I guess you could say I think Art Sikowski did exactly what Art Sikowski was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got some questions just about some of the productivity of what they brought in via the portal. Yeah,
0: I don't think we have anything else to add about Illinois football's offseason. That's 70 minutes of it, Joey.
1: We got 70 minutes and the Bulls haven't done poop. <laughs> well, Levine might be on the way out. We'll have to find out. Uh, this will be
0: old by then. But uh, NBA trade deadline. Yeah, I've just been watching Twitter as we've been doing this. Hey, shout out. Tweet back. Back. We missed
1: you, we missed how, you for that hour and a half.
0: How nervous. Like, I was, I was literally angry. Like, my life is different without TweetDeck. It's probably better. Um, it is. But Twitter is a trash app if there's no TweetDeck. <laughs> so, in our job to have TweetDeck is is huge. So, I was getting pretty angry at Elon there for, for a little bit, but they brought it back. It was only like a 24-hour thing. Um, and my life really wasn't better without it. I say it should be. It
1: would have been. been. Over time, it would have been because at some point, I would have gotten sick and tired of refreshing Twitter Oh, uh, to see the most recent Terrible and Dude I was like Messing around in the coding Trying to figure out What was going on like I saw You're, some talking, stuff on you're talking
0: to me About something like New tweet, tweet deck I'm like a New tweet deck about? And you <laughs> couldn't
1: find it That's not on me I don't know how to help you there
0: But there was like yeah, a was, button To say like new tweet deck Like it was just like yeah. You found it on Twitter Of how to like Go into your coding And change it I'm like How am Man. I supposed to know that
1: Man It came Boomer status Came at you fast Werner, yeah, Last sure. week Sure became, Came fast Welcome back TweetDeck We missed you Please don't leave us I won't yeah. pay for you So if you charge me I will leave you
0: I don't want to say I wouldn't pay for it But I wouldn't pay
1: a lot for it That's for sure Jeremy No I'd pay a little bit for it
0: For like a buck or two a month I'd probably pay for it
1: Maybe I, I would not go What's the maximum You'd go for TweetCon people we lost everybody I'd, I wouldn't go more than 250 a month
0: On I mean it's a business expense That we could write off
1: I don't know how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Go to your tax guy, <laughs> dude. As we get closer to taxes, I have no idea what I'm doing. You
0: just throw it at a tax guy. They'll
1: figure it all out. The off. next pod we record can be me being hauled out for some sort of <laughs> tax malpractice.
0: All right. We'll wrap it up. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to the Illini Enquirer podcast. No, know it was a long one, but hopefully you enjoyed it. Uh, go follow us on wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a rating and review. Follow us on YouTube. We appreciate all that. we got plenty more content because basketball will be back uh, later this week. We'll have plenty of content coming up there at IlliniEnquirer.com. Everybody, have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time on the Illini Enquirer podcast. Bye, everybody. Ready?